0: The reading of the Scriptures from Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. I invite you a reverent hearing of God's Word here in Acts chapter 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: As you know, the book of Acts is uh, uh, many things, but... Uh, one thing uh, that is the book of transitions, if you think just momentarily and very quickly, uh, the Lord has uh, departed, gone to heaven, taken his seat at the right hand of the God the Father. The Spirit has come. So, the Lord is always present, but the Spirit of God begins to manifest his presence and ministering life of the church. Uh, we have a transition from the Apostle Peter to the Apostle Paul. Uh, Peter chiefly to uh, Jewish Christians, Jerusalem, and now the Apostle Paul planting Gentile churches. So a number of transitions. I think that's uh, enough to uh, suffice uh, for the moment. But it is an interesting concept in our lives because uh, many people are caught in transitions in life and fail to recognize the change that is upon them. It's really our story in Acts chapter 19. Uh, Twelve Old Testament saints are caught in a transition and they don't recognize what has happened. But they will. They will. Uh, One of my favorite stories to to this end of transition is, I remember reading in the 1960s of a Japanese soldier that finally gave up in the Philippines. He'd been fighting the war 15 years after it had ended. His his country had been liberated, but he was still carrying on the fight. Uh, A man of deep uh, transitions, but uh, of course the change was forced upon him. Uh, And again, this morning, these Old Testament believers uh, are brought into the new age of messianic fulfillment and all that that means and the radical uh, liberty that we have in Christ. Uh, The geographic uh, movement, as you know from the text, is uh, we're at Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was the capital of uh, Asia in uh, the Roman uh, government. It's also a a center of uh, commerce. Uh, More particular for the church, it was the home of the temple of Artemis or Diana and one of the seven wonders of the world. Think about that if you think about the church. Here is this majestic temple, and the church, at this point, is probably meeting in houses. One is an architectural beauty, again, one of the seven wonders of the world. And then we have a church that meets in homes. It's a remarkable transition. Uh, The temple of Diana is going to be torn down. Uh, The church will never be torn down. Uh, Because of the uh, Temple of Diana, uh, much of the section that we're in will become another uh, anti-idolatry polemic uh, because uh, Roman culture was one that was full of idols and of course the Temple of Diana was an incredible idol uh, all herself. If you think about our culture, think of the... uh, Parallel to the Temple of Artemis or Temple of Diana, the uh, SEX culture in our, in our nation, the tragedy, decline of our culture, uh, but not so for the church, because God has made us new and different. Uh, but certainly in the life of uh, the city of Ephesus, uh, the free wild life of nature, if you will, was uh, very prominent, as it is in our culture. Uh, But we are the church of Christ and not members of the temple of Diana. And the answer to Diana and all the idols and false gods, of course, is Christ in the Spirit. So let's begin with Christ. uh, That really marks uh, the end of the Old Testament dispensation. uh, The end of the Old Testament era. That these 12 men... Uh, in Acts chapter 19 represent. So in verses 1 to 5, we, we learn again something that we already know, and that is that the age of messianic fulfillment has begun in Christ. Uh, the age is no longer in transition. One has been closed, another one begun in Christ. Uh, it's captured for us in uh, the ascension, of course, in Acts chapter 1. Theology is our Lord's session to the throne as King Messiah, where he rules and reigns while gathering his people and awaiting the time of the complete defeat of all of his enemies, if you will, uh, Psalm 110 and Psalm 2. But it means for us uh, that the kingdom is now, the future is now, the kingdom has come in Christ, because he is king reigning and ruling. Uh, and uh, our allegiance uh, in the church, of course, goes to him. Our loyalty goes to him. The only transition for us in our lives is uh, awaiting the consummation in his second coming. Uh, to that we wait faithfully. But Paul encounters some men who are still anticipating and expecting the coming of the Messiah. If you think back momentarily, it wasn't the the age of the internet or the daily newspaper. Uh, They just simply had not got the news. And so they're living in a transitional time and they have yet to understand the dramatic and radical change that has come upon the world. And in a way, they represent much of the world today that doesn't understand uh, that our monarch is reigning and ruling. World without end. So these men have uh, yet to leave the old for the new. Uh, Luke tells us that they're disciples of John the Baptist. They're believers. They're believers. I think they were in the faith. I think they are Jews. Uh, and that's that understanding is about to radically change as well. And more importantly, they are participants of the baptism of John, and they have not heard that the Spirit has come, verses 2 and 3. Uh, again, if you think about the great messianic event of Acts chapter 2, and the coming of the Spirit, they've yet to get the news, so they're behind the times. Uh, if you will, they're in a time warp, and that's about to change. As you know, the Baptist was a herald of the coming restoration promises and exodus in Messiah. They're still preaching his coming. They've yet to learn that he has come. Paul's going to bring them into the new age. End their time warp. Uh, again, as you know, John's, uh, John's baptism was in repentance, anticipating the coming Messiah. Um, and even John the Baptist uh, struggled with this. If you think momentarily, if you want to turn in your uh, New Testaments to uh, uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 11. John the Baptist was a herald and he, uh, the outset didn't fully understand who the Messiah was. Uh, I think he does, but the outset he does not. And... There's a testimony of that in Matthew chapter 11,
0: uh,
1: verses 2 to 6. John was in prison. He heard of the works of Christ. He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or shall we look for someone else? Jesus doesn't answer him directly, but he does answer him. Notice the answer verse 4. Jesus answers and said to him, Go and report to John the things that you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. It's a good reminder sometimes Christ doesn't always teach us directly, but teach us he does. And so John uh, is now uh, the recipient of the fullness of the understanding of the majesty of Of who Christ is. That he comes, he invades this uh, world in the greatest invasion of all time. And he begins to fix things which are indicative of the presence of King Messiah. And John now gets it. Uh, And so Paul identifies Jesus as the one uh, that John was waiting for and uh, therefore uh, these 12 disciples uh, need to change their message. uh, Look at chapter 19, Acts, verse 4. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in Him who is coming after Him. That is, in Jesus. In a moment, in a single prepositional phrase, in Jesus, their ministry totally changes. Uh, I believe it's... uh, Uh, needs to be recognized that these 12 men were Jews, but they're now no longer Jews. Uh, They are now in Christ. Uh, I think there's 12 because I think they represent the new Israel. But nonetheless, uh, for a different time, they're now in Christ. And as you know, there's, in Christ, there's no longer Jew. There's no longer Gentile. There's no longer male or female or slave nor free. There's no hierarchy whatsoever. There's only the simple designation are you in Christ? Because the new has come. Dawning of the great messianic age. Uh, but they haven't received the word. Now they have. And Paul is telling them for the first time. Again, they were in a time warp. You and I know that the restoration promises have begun in Jesus. The new exodus engaged. Anticipation and expectation are now over because Christ has come. The future is now. It's in Jesus. I remind you by way of application, um, many people are troubled over the future, perhaps struggling over the future. Perhaps wanting a better future. I understand all of that, uh, experience a measure of it myself, but the future has come in Jesus. Uh, it will only get better for the church, passage of time, but it has come because of who he is. The future is now. And they are to embrace the new, and these men do. Very tragic to see people live in a new age but f- fail to embrace it fully. Notice 19.5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they identify now with Christ. Formerly, they were disciples of John, followers of John. They had been baptized in the baptism of John the Baptist. Now that's all changed. They've entered the new messianic age. They transitioned from John's disciples to disciples of Jesus. Uh, By the way, if you are a Christian, if you are in Jesus, uh, you are a follower of Him. You're to follow Him. Uh, I understand it's very prevalent in American Christianity to contend that you can become a Christian but not follow. That's um, utterly uh, contradictory. I mean, Jesus dispels it all when He says, in John 10, My sheep hear My voice, I know them, and they Follow me. We're disciples of Jesus. We follow him. He's our shepherd. He's our warrior king. And priest. So follow, follow Christ because of the new age. Um, so it's a momentous, uh, it's a momentous event. Uh, In union with uh, Christ, we we die with him. We are resurrected to newness of life in him. Uh, It's a confession of inward renewal, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, We're no longer the men and women we used to be. Think of the great text, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. The old has passed away including all of the law under Moses, has passed away. We are new creatures in Christ. And we live accordingly. Because our future has begun. And so does our corresponding uh, conduct represent who we are. We're new. Resurrected to newness of life in Christ. The old is gone. It's passed away. Uh, We are new. We are new. The new creation has begun in the Savior. Uh, and in time, of course, and in degree, it means radical change. Uh, as you know, theologically, our sins were imputed to Him, His righteousness to us. And the bondage of death is forever broken. Um, that's why when we, when we say in Christ, the future is now, uh, we no longer live under the bondage of death and sin. The whole world outside of Him does we don't. So we are sons and daughters of the most momentous event of all time. The sons of the living God. And this new age is announced and confirmed by the outpouring of the Spirit again here in Acts 19. Let's turn our studies to the reality that The age of messianic fulfillment is made evident in the outpouring of the Spirit. Acts chapter 19, verses 6-7. Again, these men had not received the word of Acts 2, the outpouring of the Spirit, so they're going to experience it uh, all their own. And the majesty, the fact that the future has now enveloped them in Christ. And I trust He's enveloped you. Uh, in in the Son. And if you're a Christian, he has. So the twelve disciples of John are behind the times respecting the coming of the Spirit as well. Uh, As the Spirit was poured out in uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, making evident that the end times have have, uh, begun, uh, Paul is going to lead these men into the new age. He lays his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon them uh, verse 6, and they begin speaking in, in tongues and prophesying. So if you think about it, they have, they have broken out of the time warp. It, it's really, it's a beautiful expression of the gospel. You think about it, if you share the gospel with people, uh, they are living in a death warp. Uh, you have the greatest of all possible news that they can get out of it in Christ. And these men pass from this great time warp of the Old Covenant, following after John the Baptist, into the New. And the uh, upland beauty of the majesty of the Son of God. Uh, it's a reminder of the theology of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Um, that... We possess in Christ uh, the greatest of all freedoms and liberty. We were like that Japanese soldier in the 1960s, still fighting the battle in the Philippines until he's captured and rescued and set free and liberated. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And therefore, keep standing firm, Paul says, and do not be subject again to the yoke of bondage. It's a reference to the Old Testament law. There's no longer a Jewish dispensation. It's been closed down in Christ. All is now new in the Savior. And we're liberated. We're free. Freedom we have is the sons of God. Uh, reminded of uh, some people again, uh, still caught in the time warp. I, I think of For example, Messianic Jews. They haven't really got the news yet. Uh, They're still in a time warp. Maybe someone should take them the good news. We should uh, no longer uh, carry about the yoke of the bondage of the law of Moses. It's been lifted off of us in Christ. He set us free. I know some of you know Messianic Jews. It's very interesting to me that in many Messianic Jewish communities, they're not Jewish at all. By and large, they're Gentiles. Trying to find some sense of meaning in the old order. They're like the Japanese soldier. The old order's gone. Christ is King Messiah. Uh, we don't need to obey the Old Testament law anymore. He he kept it for us. His righteousness imputed to us. Uh, But there's always people who simply can't let go of the old. uh, And they want to remain in the time warp. Perhaps in God's grace, you can remind them that we have freedom in Christ. And that we shouldn't put on the yoke of bondage any longer. We should rejoice and revel in our freedom and liberty in Christ because of what He is and what He's done for us. Let's, uh, let's review the concept of a Pentecost, because in the history of the book of Acts, uh, this is the fourth Pentecost. Chapter 2, the disciples are filled with the Spirit, begin to speak miraculously in the Gentile tongues of the diaspora Jews that are in Jerusalem. It is, uh, by way of review, critical for you to understand. That the New Testament concept of tongues was in known Gentile languages, of which the speakers were uneducated. It's a miraculous event. But the hearers were hearing the gospel in the Jewish tongues from the Gentile nation pardon me, Gentile tongues from the Gentile nations from which they have left to come to Jerusalem. It's a radical announcement of the new
0: age. Uh,
1: Peter also speaks, as you know, in Acts 2, of cosmic signs of blood, smoke, fire, and darkness. As well, there was a cluster or burst of visions, prophecy, and dreams. Fulfillment of Joel 2 in Acts 2. Notice the operative word, Fulfillment. The future has started in Christ. Therefore, you should leave the old. Both uh, indicate as you um, upheaval or dissolution of the old order, meaning that the entire Old Testament cultus in the temple is overturned by, has been overturned by Christ. That's radical change. Uh, That's not a hint. The transition is over with. Christ is the new. The future is in Him. And the future is now in Him. The Old Testament cultus is gone. Not to be returned to. Uh, Reminder of that, that uh, many professing Christians return to it all the time fact, this very Sunday as I'm speaking, New Testament Christians are returning to the uh, Old Testament cultists. Think about it in terms of our own geography and our own building. The table behind me that represents to me as a Christian, a communion table, was in the previous church an altar. It's not an altar to us. Christ has been sacrificed. We don't sacrifice Him continually. Many Christians do. We don't. You don't repeat perfection. It's almost a sacrilege to me to try to. But in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, it's repeated every Sunday and perhaps all throughout the week. and uh, The Mass of uh, the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, we uh, simply remember that, among other things, at Grace Bible Church, uh, but uh, you do not repeat perfection. Uh, it's, it's my own understanding that the entire, the singularity and the beauty of the doctrine of justification obviates and destroys the entire sacramental system of the Roman Catholic Church. Because he's our entire blessing. We are blessed in him. We don't need a priest to bless us. The great high priest after the Melchizedekian priesthood blesses us uh, with his righteousness. Uh, You don't come to me before Sunday and confess your sins. Why? Because Christ our high priest has forgiven us our sins and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We don't need to retreat to the old because we're in the new. We don't. Uh, we don't in, invoke the blessings of the priesthood after the priesthood of Aaron because the priesthood of Aaron is over with, in Christ, who is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And all of the vestments, if you will, and the uh, festivals and timetables of the Old Covenant are gone. Over and gone forever in Christ. He's our future. The future is now in Him. We leave the old because of the new. I mean, it's if you think about the coming out of that time warp, is it a wonderful thing that you don't need me to bless you? I know internally you're saying amen. But, but it is a wonderful thing because of Christ. I don't have to put on vestments to mark myself as, as a special class of person in the church because we're all priests. We don't have to have that argument at Grace Bible Church because... Uh, if you're a Christian, you're, you're a priest uh, serving Christ in your own way. Uh, incredible, radical change. The old is over with. Uh, we should embrace the new. Uh, it's a great reminder that the old, the old Testament Aaronic priesthood and all of its residuals are gone. Because of Christ. And we don't need to resurrect them every Sunday. Neither should we. Because of who our high priest is. In chapter 8, there's the Samaritan Pentecost. But it's absent the cosmic signs and gifts. Again, uh, it's a reminder that yes, the Spirit of God is poured out upon Samaritans. Who were despised by the Jews. But no one is despised in Christ. Uh, It's a new identity, the greatest of all possible identities. Everyone in our culture is trying to define themselves ethnically or uh, retrace their genealogies. For us, it ends in Christ. The future is in him, now, begun. What a great identity to have. In chapter 10, there's the Gentile Pentecost. And these events confirm that the old is over. And the Gentile languages indicate that the gospel is turning to the nations and Gentiles are coming into the kingdom absent the elements of the old order. That's really what these 12 men represent in Acts 19. They're brought into the new age or the future that is in Christ. And they leave aside the old. Uh, this chapter... Chapter 19 is the last Pentecost. I want to remind you of a couple of critical patterns that are uh, elementary here. In each of these Pentecosts, this being the fourth, uh, the recipients are not seeking the gifts; they simply fall upon in the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, much about the modern-day charismatic movement is uh, uh, learning how to get the gifts. Uh, in the new age, you don't learn how to get them. You're simply given them in sovereign grace. They're not even expecting them. Occasionally, I meet someone that says, Oh, I'm just praying I'll get this special gift. Well, uh, I don't live in a life of expectation, God has gifted me. Ephesians 1, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. If you've begun your future with Christ, who is the future, you have every spiritual blessing. Nothing is withheld you. Because you're in Him. In fact, the recipients here aren't even praying for the gift. No mind much of the modern day tongues movement is simply people... Uh, setting themselves up to learn something that they've never had before. In Christ, we get it all. The Spirit sovereignly comes. Jews are present, indicating to me that the sign to them that the cultist is over, that the end time, end gathering of the Gentiles has begun. As you know, Old Testament prophetic fulfillment, coming of Gentiles. If you think about it in terms of uh, another beautiful form of fulfillment, uh, tongues is a reverse of the curse of Babel. Curses lifted by the sovereign outworking of the Spirit. You and I who have begun our future in Christ are no longer under any curse whatsoever. And our future is in Him. And I might add, it's a bright one, to be sure. Uh, The purpose of tongues is uh, indicative of these two factors. Meaning, the Gentiles are now streaming into the kingdom of God. They no longer have to go through Israel. If you think about the Old Testament uh, Gentiles, they had to go through Israel. We we no longer do that. Uh, In fact, I would tell any Christian, even a Messianic Jew, not to go through Israel. Leave it beside. Understand who Christ is. For freedom He sets you free. Don't put on the yoke of bondage again. Don't get caught in a time warp. Of course, the modern day uh, tongues movement is uh, some lurching into heavenly languages that are really outside of uh, grammatical, historical, exegesis, and biblical theology. They've just simply created another time warp for themselves. Uh, and those who believe these gifts continue to admit that their prophecy and tongues are a different species than that of the use, purpose, and practice in the New Testament. In other words, they create their own gifts. Uh, you and I in Christ don't have to create anything. It's been, all been created for us. We're simply the recipients of the greatest gift of all time. That our future is in him. Embrace it. Uh, As you know, their their prophecy is non-authoritative and can be errant. (laughs) Why would I need such a gift as that? Uh, But it's just simply men trying to create their own time warp refusing to come into the new age. Uh, Their tongues is a heavenly language that no one knows except God. Um, They simply need to read and study 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I don't mean to be condescending. uh, But uh, the modern tongues charismatic movement has created hybrid gifts and their own time warp. The announcement of the new age has begun. We don't need to continue to repeat the announcement over and over and over again. Uh, Come April the 15th, I, I won't come to you and say Happy New Year. It's over with. We're in a new age, a new future, a new person. And the future is now in Jesus. More importantly, the 12 Old Testament saints are now New Testament saints, I I believe, uh, indicative of a new Israel, with complete understanding that Messiah is reigning and that the end times have begun, end time restoration, end time exodus. As you know, uh, I would say often, uh, preaching through the uh, uh, book of Isaiah, that the greatest exodus of all time has begun. I understand people wanting to come to America. I I understand everyone trying to immigrate to better their future. But you can really stay where you are and possess the greatest future of all times in Jesus. But most importantly, the recognition that the future is in Him. And a great future it is. Uh, These uh, 12 men now understand the times. So should we. Because they are times of radical change. Uh, Remind you in my introduction, the temple of Diana is no longer. The temples of the world and the idols that are worshipped in those temples are passing off of the scene. And the greatest temple of all time in the resurrected Jesus is now present. Uh, the enveloping shadow of that temple means radical change for all who belong to it. We no longer partake in the cultic practices of uh, cultic prostitution that was prevalent in Diana and Artemis and all the other uh, New Testament uh, Uh, Temples in the cities where the church is displacing them all by radical change. Radical change. Because our future has begun in Jesus. Christ is King. He's sovereignly executing His decrees to save His people and none will be lost. None will be lost. How can they be? How can our Savior die for someone only to lose them again? simply a radical time warp that many in the evangelical church have created for themselves. And our Savior freely gives His Spirit to all uh, to seal them in their journey to heaven. Ephesians 1. Spirit is our seal to protect us in our journey to heaven. Uh, by the way, if we didn't have that seal, we'd never make it. We might make it a few yards, a few feet, maybe a mile or two, but at some point we'd leave off. Uh, because uh, the hounds of uh, the devil would get us. Uh, because they're thirsty to gather back all who they think belong to them. But we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit to promise. Uh, Roman government, the uh, Caesar would put a seal on his special correspondence. And only, only the recipient could break that seal. If you will, if you're in Christ, part of your future is that the Spirit of God has sealed you, uh, made your journey to heaven safe and secure. And uh, only heaven can open you and heaven will. A great promise of the sealing of the Spirit. And uh, we don't get it by seeking it. Praying for it. Wishing it. We get it all in Christ. That our future is in Him. And the Spirit uh, guides us uh, to the end. None are lost. Uh, I do remind you, uh, as you encounter... Uh, children in the world. Of course, you encounter them in love and affection and kindness and generosity, but you are encountering people who are in the greatest time warp of all because they know not the future, the real future, and the blessings that are in the Savior. Uh, They need the Savior. They need to escape the time warp of their own cul-de-sac Come into the future in Jesus. It's a great message we carry to people. Of course, we carry it. We cannot save them. Only God can do that. But we we nonetheless, as the priests of God, carry that great message. Uh, Don't be like the uh, Japanese soldier in the Philippines still fighting the battle when the war is over. Liberation has come. It's a great gospel we preach. Uh, The majesty that our transition from the old to the new is over. Our future's in Him and we should live accordingly. And uh, may God uh, bless us uh, in just that end as we face a transition to a new year. And may the blessings of that new year uh, bring us all the more so to the fullness of the majesty of what it means to belong to Christ who is the greatest future of all times.